Welcome to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, what an absolute treat today. We talk about high performers here. Today we have a world-class athlete joining us, Kelly Curtis. Skeleton, bobsled, Olympic athlete. Does any of that seem like, are you still pinching yourself from all that? A little bit, but now that my first Olympics are over, I'm, I'm eager to train and, and put on a better performance for the next one. Hopefully I can get back to that level again. Absolutely. Knowing, having our conversations, hearing, hearing your mindset, you're already there. You just recently joined the Air Force not too long ago. How has that been? That has been an amazing experience. So I enlisted in the summer of 2020, like right at the height of COVID when we still didn't really know what COVID was and how everyone would react. So I joined and that was the first sense of like normalcy since the pandemic started because it was like uh, a little bit more regimented than what I was used to being uh, a civilian living through the pandemic. And once, as soon as I left BMT, then I joined the world-class athlete program that same day. So ever since that day, I've just, my job has been to represent the Air Force at the highest level of competition, which I have, hopefully I've done well, and I know I can do a little bit better moving forward. We are, we are all proud of you and what you've done thus far, and we know what you will continue to do. Is there one thing that you've kind of taken away from your time in the Air Force so far that you've implemented daily that has really kind of changed your life and your mindset? I think just the better understanding and appreciation for discipline. I think uh, just going through those weeks of basic military training was, I didn't think it was good for me at the time because I was thinking about how it took from my skeleton training. But uh, looking back on it now, I thought that it was very good for me to go through to implement that sense of discipline that I can bring with me uh, throughout. And then as I transition out of WCAP, I'll be able to bring that with me when I'm serving on base in Aviano starting next month. That is awesome. Because the season goes what, from October through March? Yep. Yeah, yeah. we slide uh, Yeah, usually mid-October through mid-March. Um, we have early season ice and some colder places and late season ice. I'm currently in the Plan France right now learning this track. And it's a pretty tricky track. So I'm uh, grateful I can be out here right now. And then... Yeah, just winding down the season and looking forward to off-season training and, and working on base and then seeing what next season holds. Where did this like desire to serve come from and to like, join the Air Force? I always wanted to serve my country in some capacity. Uh, growing up, I thought it would be through the Peace Corps. So it's a, a little funny that I'm in the armed forces now instead of that. But the opportunity presented itself once I became good enough to become a national team member for Skeleton. And I thought I was going to go Army because that's 
we have a number of USA bobsled and skeleton athletes in the Army world-class athlete program. And then two years ago, my teammate Katie Ulander told me about the Air Force and how they started to recruit civilians into their world-class athlete program. And my brother had served in the Air Force. Uh, he was active duty and he reflected fondly on his time. So he uh, influenced me to, to go the Air Force route instead. And I'm pretty happy I did. So kind of walk us through the world-class athlete program for the people that aren't familiar with WCAP. Sure. So we're full-time service members, but we're also full-time airmen or officers. And so, like I said, our jobs are to go out and represent the Air Force at the highest levels of our competition. So for me, it was a really great circumstance where I had uh, the benefits of being active duty service member and then still being able to go compete in my sport and still have to keep up with, with all my trainings and, and I'm still trained in my in my job, but um, I was able to train full time for, for my athletic endeavor. And so I think that that showed that I was able to make it to the Beijing Winter Olympics. It's funny that you talk about discipline and joining the Air Force kind of just only amplified it you know, having to be more disciplined. Where are you challenging yourself now? Because you're you're looking to do the same thing. Oh, it's always about repetitions, repetition, repetition, and understanding, like you said, the track as it curves and meanders. Where are you challenging yourself now? Now, right now, I'm challenging myself by learning a whole new track. So that brings along its own set of challenges and, and trying to figure out this this puzzle and just trying to gain as many pieces as I can. But moving forward, I'm just open to what the Air Force has to offer me. And I think I'm going to be doing a lot of on-the-job training. I'll be working in communications, so I'm going to be leaning on my, my fellow airmen a lot just to see like how I can fit in and, and where I can best fit in. How do you kind of break down a track as you're starting to learn it and understand it? Uh, my, I actually really like the first time I slide from on a new track from the top because I know I'm going to mess up. And so I'm just trying to gather as much information as I can and not worry too much about the downtime or how many hits I take. Uh, I try to get down as safely as possible. And then I tend to work with a coach and I'll reflect on what I felt and how I steer. And then throughout the week, a typical race week is six training runs and then two heats in a race. And so it's not a lot of time to break the track down. So I have to rely heavily on my coaches so they can tell me, you know, pretty much the cheat codes for the track. And then I try to implement that and execute that to the best of my ability. Right now I'm here. Um, I'm the only USA athlete here. So I'm tagging along with the Italian team and, and they were able to uh, provide me with some video and then I'm able to analyze that and try to get a little bit better. So it's just myself and my husband out here trying, trying to figure out a new track. How fast are you going when you're going down these tracks? Every track in the world is different. So it just takes a long time to build up that knowledge and the sliding skills. But uh, typically about 75 to 85 miles per hour is our fastest head first. So it, take, it takes a lot out of you. <laughs> what drew you to Skeleton? Um, I was looking for a challenge in life. And I was coaching collegiately in track and fields because I came from the track and field background. and then the opportunity presented itself that I could try out for bobsled. So I took that up and I 
did bobsled for a year and then I knew about skeleton my first year of bobsledding and I, I tried it a little bit here and there but after my first competitive season of bobsled that's when I transitioned full-time to skeleton and at first I just I was living up in upstate New York and so I just wanted something to do in the cold if I was already going to be up there I wanted to you know take full advantage of my surroundings and then as soon as I did my first skeleton slide they pretty much push you off from halfway up the mountain in like Plaston and say, hope to see you at the bottom. <laughs> and so your first slide, you're just trying to figure out what's going on all around you. I became addicted right away. I just wanted to know everything that I could about the sport and, and I'm still learning and I still have a lot to learn in this sport. So yeah, I think I'm also really interested in the progression of it and how it's, I don't know when my last slide will be, but so far, I've always felt like there's so much more that, that I can give to the sport. And, and uh, my ceiling for progression is just a lot higher. Is that a common transition to go from bobsled to skeleton? Or is that kind of unique in the sport? It's a little unique. There are a few skeleton athletes that come from bobsled. Um, so I'm definitely not the only one. But it's most of the time when in the USA, at least, when people come out for bobsled or skeleton, it's basically, if you're big enough for bobsled, then you'll go out and bobsled. And if you're too small for bobsled, then they'll put you in a skeleton. But I was one of the few that was big enough for bobsled, uh, but I was just intrigued by skeleton. So I wanted to, to give that a go. And you talked about what you look forward to the most when you first go down, you're going down sliding the first time in a new track how fast you can go and like look for failure. Do you think that seeking failure has really greatly improved your life over say like the last five years or is there something else you would attribute all your success to recently? No, I'd say having that curiosity. I, th I think having that mindset of, of being curious about why you're failing <laughs> helped me a lot because it's, it's not a natural thing to do to throw yourself down a mountain going 80 miles per hour head first and your body doesn't want you to do it every single time you do it. So um, it tried to find ways to slow you down. And so it's really easy to, especially the first few years to get really discouraged about how far back you are behind others who have been doing it for a long time. So I think with my mindset of just being curious as to why I'm so bad, that <laughs> has helped me. And it has allowed me to have that space to fail and then try to learn from that. So like I said, my first few days on a new track, I call it information gathering days, but it's usually just me like being really bad at a new track <laughs> and then trying to figure out how to get a little bit better. That information gathering, does that go back to like when you were a child growing up? Or did that just kind of happen as you took to skeleton? I think that happened when I when I started to take to skeleton. I think I did a lot of youth sports. In high school, I was mostly basketball and track and field. And then in college, I was track and field. So especially with track and field, you're able to, to see numbers and you're able to see how you stack up against others pretty well because it's, you know, just all statistics. So I think when I transitioned to skeleton there are a lot more factors that will attribute to how you slide. And a lot of it's dependent on the weather or the ice conditions. And so it's all relative. And so for me to be able to see my progression, I think I've had to be able to 
allow myself to fail and then and then be able to pick myself back up and try to just try to gather those pieces to make the puzzle and then try to figure out what this puzzle is supposed to look like. And then, like, as you said, you're, you're doing all that information gathering, especially like right from the start. What does your mindset practice look like as you're going into something, you know, going into slide for the first time? Because there are so many variables in place, but you have to understand, like, you can only control so much. Yeah, it's it's different during the different phases of the season. Like right now, I'm sort of in this in-between uh, going into the off-season soon, but still learning a new track, and it can still be very dangerous. It's a lot more relaxed for me to be here by myself um, or with just with my husband and just learning a new track and not having the pressure of a race at the end of the week. But during a typical race week, the mindset is... I need to gather as much information as possible with every single run. And so we have a lot more video feedback and the coaches will break down crucial corners. And then on race day, I just hope to put it all together. And so this last season was my first season on World Cup, which is against the best women in the world. And I was pretty impressed with how I was able to stack up with everybody else. Yeah, so it's it's a different mindset with a different time of the year. So every single time though, it's just, I enjoy the process of trying to figure out these tracks. That embracing the process I think is so critical because like you said, you are literally competing against the best in the world, which means you're one of the best in the world. So you have to have some (laughs) sort of like routine or something that you constantly go back to or use to kind of not rise too high above the moment, but also not let yourself just like bottom out What does that look like for you? For me, my routine is trying to make, (laughs) it's going to sound weird, but it's trying to make all of my mistakes during the training week. So if I'm trying to figure out a steer in a certain corner or the intensity or the length of a steer in a certain corner, I'll exaggerate that in training. And so then I can see the outcome or sometimes if we need to see it, I'll let my sled run and not do much input myself just to see what the track naturally wants wants to bring me or where it wants to bring me. And then just being at peace on race day with just being like, hey, this is my progression. This is just a snapshot of where I am as a slider. And I'll let the results fall where they may. But that might not be like the most competitive <laughs> mindset, but it, it's worked well for me this season because I knew for me going into this season as a rookie on World Cup, I was a long shot to make the Olympics. And so I went into this season as a mindset of, let me just take as much away from this season as I can and build on it for the Milan Cortina 2026 games. And then, you know, I was able to put it down when I needed to and and qualify as USA 2 to go to Beijing you're trying to maximize training as much as possible. And then game day, race day, you're calming yourself down. Are you listening to a certain type of music? Are you like doing like breathing routines? Is there a mantra you say? Like, what is that? Yeah, I should probably start incorporating more breathing routines. But for me, this past season, I've allowed just to listen to different type of music depending on the track. So every track demands a different mindset. And so like that final track on World Cup um, in the finale, it was St. Moritz, Switzerland, and it's the only natural track in the world. And that track, 
I thought like requires happiness. Like you, you have to be happy to be there and it's sunny and beautiful and uh, just like out of this world. So for me going into that final race, especially because I was down on points and I knew that I was a long shot, even in going into that final race, um, I just put on some, some lo-fi hip hop and just listened to some, some beats and just tried to put myself in that place of like, this is the birthplace of this sport and just being very excited just to be there and then just try to execute the lines that we had been working on all week. Um, but other tracks require a different mindset of like, you need to do a very hard steer in a very short window of opportunity. So, you know, your mindset needs to be a little bit more intense going into it. So yeah, every, every track has a different playlist. The gratitude piece that you keep coming back to when it goes to understanding your sport, being at, you know, the top 0.0001% of what you do comes from a lot of reps, right? Both success and facing a lot of adversity. Where has failure presented itself that has ultimately led to a great success, not only in your career, but in your life? Mm, great question. Probably my last track and field competition. So I was a Division Three heptathlete at Springfield College, and um, Division Three championships was, I mean, that was in 2012, so that was a decade ago. But I still remember um, I had bronchitis right before it, and so on day two of competition, as a heptathlete, we have two days, um, it's seven events, so on the second day, you're usually pretty tired anyway, but on day two, I was just exhausted. I was drained, and I was leading the competition going into the last event, the 800, which is my worst event. And I ended up being fifth overall. <laughs> I dropped that many points. And I was, I just remember being extremely disappointed. Um, not really in my performance, but just in not being able to see my my true potential and, and my full capacity because I felt like I was limited by having bronchitis. And so that failure put a chip on my shoulder um, for the next few years. And so I went into collegiate coaching. I coached a national champion and that was awesome. But I always felt like I, I had something left in my in my athletic tank. So yeah, that spurred me to try out for bobsled. And then that's led me down this, this path that I didn't even know was possible. I absolutely love that. Continue to use that motivation to show like we can go a little bit deeper in the tank. Kelly, thank you so much. But before we go, Kelly Curtis, how are you better today than yesterday? Oh man, I'm better today than yesterday because I was able to figure out where I am in this track. Yesterday was my first day off the top and I got a little lost in, in the labyrinth here. So <laughs> I was able to figure out where I was for all three runs. Where can people go to connect with you that want to learn more about what you're doing and continue to follow you into the next Winter Olympics? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm just on Kelly Curtis USA and on my on my socials, so Twitter, Instagram. I have my own personal Facebook, so uh, you, can, you can friend request me on that if you want as well. And then uh, the Air Force World Class Athlete Program has their own Instagram, and so they do a pretty good, they do a very good job of highlighting their athletes as well. So you can follow all of us leading into Paris and Milan. Kelly, thank you for sharing your strategies, your methods, your tips, and most importantly, thanks for having our six today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Tony. I appreciate that. Appreciate you reaching out. 
Sixers, thank you for listening to another episode of the Got Your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass it along. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and give us as many stars as you think we warrant because we love what we do here at the Got Your Six podcast. We're always adapting and evolving this podcast because of you, the Sixers. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. You'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.